Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Reel Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio. Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and everyone, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I am your underfish host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is indeed a pleasure to hang with you tonight. Hey, we want to thank all of you for listening for the past couple of weeks. We had recorded shows uh, back on. Uh, October 23rd, uh, we had Frank Ersetti, Ernie Montero from the Premier, Ray Summers from the Vendetta, Chuck Taft from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing, and also the fishmonger himself, Tommy Gomes. They were all with us uh, with a brand-new recorded show. And then last week, we also had a recorded show, but I was up in the Pacific Northwest visiting with my daughters and my new twins, but we were... Uh, we stopped off in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We visited with Billy Chapman Jr., found out what he was doing with Anglers Inn. And then also we, uh, we stopped off in Tacoma, Washington, and visited with John Berge and his staff at Gamakatsu, USA. So we want to thank you very much for uh, listening, guys. But we have an all-new live show tonight. And we'll be also talking with my co-host, Stan Vanderberg. He's getting ready to go on a long-range trip. We're going to go over some of the things you're going to need to know when getting ready for a trip like that. But let me introduce him right now. He is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty good freshwater and saltwater angler himself. Stan, how you doing tonight, sir? Well, so far, so good. You know, I have not, I have not done the traveling that you have. I've just been kind of getting ready. Actually, this... <clears throat> Uh, this Wednesday morning at Odark 30, I climb aboard the Indy, and and we take off on a just a fabulous 13-day adventure. Can't wait to get on board there and get that thing started. As the charter master, as you know, you get a lot of things you get to, to do and have to arrange prior to, so this whole week has just been set up. Hey, well, we'll talk a little bit about that later on because we've got a jam-packed show with us. we got Pro Bass Angler uh, Johnny Johnson. He's with us. Has 2016 ever been one season for him? And then later on the show at 6 o'clock, we're going to have Zach Zorn. And you talk about he's a young saltwater angler from San Diego County here. He has had also an exceptional 2016 uh, season. We're going to catch up with him especially talk about a special event that he fished, the Bisbee down in Cabo San Lucas, and how well he did. But, hey, Stan, why don't we get right to our first guest. Hey, this is Pro Bass Angler from uh, Lakeside, Arizona. 
2016 was probably a lot more than he ever anticipated <laughs> it would be starting off in January of this year. Here's a guy that runs a, a television show out of Arizona, has been on the Fox Network for almost 20 years. He thought maybe he was going to take it easy, but let's talk to him and find out why the heck he decided to start fishing tournaments in 2016. Let me introduce our listening audience to Arizona pro bass angler, Johnny Johnson. John, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate it, man. I'll tell you what, it has been an exceptional year. And I'll tell you what, uh, it, 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 I've kind of had cold feet getting back into it again. You know, uh, I've been fishing, obviously, my whole life, and I kind of quit tournament fishing, I think, back in around 2000. And I kind of hunt and peck some, you know, local tournaments and doing that kind of stuff. And, of course, still hitting the U.S. Open every year. But... I uh, kind of backed off my tournament schedule for about 10 years, came came back and uh, full-hearted, you know, this last year and with the Wild West coming out here. And I'll tell you what, it's been an exceptional year, let me tell you. It's been great. Well, no kidding. <laughs> you know, hey, uh, just to uh, show our listeners, Johnny's been around the horn a little bit. The they, uh, first tournament I have you actually down as winning was in 1999, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a uh, a superstars tournament that was there in Arizona. Did that kind of launch your career, or had you been fishing before that, Johnny? Well, I started uh, fishing the uh, pro circuit, you know, back in like the late '80s. But uh, I, I won a few. I won a few of the little ABA tournaments and stuff that would come over here to Roosevelt Lake and things like that over here. Uh, like back in 94 and 92 and things like that. But the big shot in the arm for me was when I was on the outdoor channel with the fishing show. My last year that I was fishing, I won that uh, all-star tournament, uh, the uh, Pro-Am Championship, and uh, won a boat. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of launched it. It was fun. But, you know, with my schedule as busy as it was with the fishing show, uh, like I said, uh, you know, doing the fishing show, I, I do it year-round. I'm not one of those guys that just does it by the season. So we're year-round here in Arizona. I don't even know what it's like to winterize my boat. But <laughs> so, I, I've been pretty busy, you know. Uh, so I kind of backed off of the tournament schedule a little bit. But I'm, I'm realizing as I'm getting older that, man, i got to keep up with the new techniques that the young kids are bringing in and, and, and all these goodies, and, and it's just, it keeps my mind wise as far as staying up with the bass fishing, things like that. And, of course, the older I've gotten, the more wise I've gotten with my, with my fishing, and I'm a much better fisherman now than I ever was back then. But it, I'll tell you what, it's been a heck of a ride, let me tell you. You know, I, I can't agree more with, you know, sticking around and hanging around with the younger guys that with all of the new techniques and just being a part of that. Uh, and being involved with the, that part of the industry is so important. Uh, if you're going to be a tournament fisherman nowadays, to stay up with these young guys coming up, because these young guys, they're pretty creative. Uh, and they'll come up with little, little tricks and little things that can make a difference. Uh, and obviously, the guys that have been around like you and I forever and, uh, and have fished tournaments, and that wisdom of the ages really <laughs> helps in winning tournaments down the road. Um, but it's real important to keep up with the, the, new, the new techniques and new things that these young guys are coming up with. Oh, you bet. You know, like I said, as we get older, we kind of get set in our ways, 
and get a little bit stale, and it's almost like being in a music genre. You know, there's certain, I, I love country music, and, and you know, the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s was great for me, and, and, and it's hard for me to look at country music today and say that's country music. But in saying that, we, we do the same thing in fishing. As, as we get older, we tend to keep using our old techniques, and it's not that they don't work, but these kids come up with something new to try to beat beat everybody, and they're staying creative. Their minds are going. And I'll tell you what, with me jumping back into doing that, it keeps me going, and it keeps me fresh, and it keeps me uh, having fresh stuff for the fishing show as well. So it, yeah. it's a really a win-win for, for me, for sure, as I've been getting older. That's for sure. makes total sense. I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent there. Johnny, a, a lot of uh, what I like about what you do is, is Arizona is somewhat like Southern California. A lot of people don't think of Southern California as being one of the centers of great bass fishing in the United States. And you look at Arizona and you go, it's desert. It, there's not a lot of water there, but you take your viewers through the radio show, uh, through the television show to lakes where you may not be familiar with them, but where there's still some exceptional bass fishing. Oh, yeah. You know, we've got some great bass fishing. You have to do it a little bit differently, as you know, out west here than back east. You know, I mean, back east, you got the vegetation. you got all the fun stuff out out west here. we got a few vegetation lakes and stuff, but, I, I mean, like in the higher country areas, like where I live. But when I go to places like Roosevelt or Lake Mead or something like that, it, it gets to the point where you really have to learn how to read a graph and be able to fish a little bit deeper and understand uh these deep, clear water lakes. Yep. Uh, it's a whole different ball game, And it's really hard on people that don't understand clear water. It, exactly right. Exactly right. You know, and that's the one thing I can tell you. Uh, you know, it's funny because I get ribbed a lot, but I've won three major tournaments this year by 99% of doing the drop shot technique. And, and people don't, they're like, you're, you're, you're crazy. You're not picking up a flipping stick or... You're not throwing a big spinnerbait or a big crankbait? And I'm like, well, I do that, too, and I, I throw topwater. But 99%, when the, when the lakes get pressured and you got that real deep, clear water, you got to go to that, that light line. And, and, and basically, I drop-shotted three tournaments. I've won three major tournaments this year drop-shotting. You know, there's wisdom in that. And people yeah. really maybe don't understand that. I got You get a lot of people, that, especially the guys back east, they call it the fairy wand when you get a – Use oh, yeah. uh, the uh, the lightweight uh, spinning gear out here, but it is one of the most effective tools to get fish to go, especially you know deep fish too. That's a a very good tool, and a lot of people just don't understand that. And you're right, and, and, and you know, talking about the guys back east, let's let's talk about some of the competitors back east. Now you got you know the likes of Aaron Martins, which is a top notch drop shotter. You've got Clifford Perch, who's in the Classic. You've got uh, Brett Height, who's in the Classic. All these guys, you know, understand the light line techniques. So when the fishing gets tough back east, they pull out their their what what you would call the fairy wands, and and they're getting the job done and make it and making these tournaments exciting for themselves and and, and putting themselves in position to get to the Classic. Well, Johnny, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the late 2015. Here you are. You're doing your television show. You're doing a lot of promotional work for, I believe, Bass Pro Shop. You're doing your seminars at at uh, shows uh, all over the region. Uh, you're doing a lot of kids' tournaments and teaching young people. 
how what to do and bringing them into the sport you you kind of like resign that okay you're doing a little tournament fishing but you know not like you used to what actually drove you over the edge to start up again in 2016 what drove me over the edge was uh, uh you know going to the seminars talking to some of the tournament fishermen hearing about the new techniques and i'm like man you know i i, I have not been familiar with that you know and 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 so you know, they're like, John, this is the stuff you'll learn in these tournaments, you know. you got to get back into it. Plus the fact that it's, you know, as well as I do, it's it's hard to teach people uh, what I do. And, and our show's entertaining, but it's also informative. And, uh, it, you know, it's hard to stand there and really tell people what, how much you know about all this stuff without at least being in the up in the standing somehow in a tournament where they can respect you enough to go, oh, yeah, there's, you know, hey, he's a, he's a true tournament fisherman, you know, he – he knows what he's talking about, that type of deal, because it was coming back to haunt me a little bit after 10 years of not doing it, and I could just feel it as, I, as the years went on. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have to bail into this. And then I did it, and uh, like I said, I spent a whole month at, at, at Lake Mead fishing three, three tournaments there, which was the U.S. Open, the Wild West Championship, and, of course, the ABA Championship all in one month. My wife didn't even know who I was. I, you know, it was crazy. I, I, I'm on the road so much with the fishing show, and then I found myself out a full month just doing the tournaments. And so I've been gone a lot, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much what dove me into doing that was uh, wanting to learn the new techniques. Plus, you know, I love competitive fishing. I really do. It's not something I want to give up. And, you know, we can do that for a ripe old age, obviously. And I, I think that uh, I've, I've gained more wisdom from – from uh, becoming older, and I've been able to slow down a little bit and understand that, you know, you don't have to make 50,000 casts in 10 seconds and, you know, <laughs> analyze things a little bit. Because when I was younger, I was a go-getter, and I learned all these new techniques, and I was catching fish. But, you know, I mean, I was going down the bank 300 miles an hour and, and really not inhaling anything as far as understanding what the bass were doing. And as you get older, you start learning these bass behavioral things and, Way that, where they should be, what they're doing, and 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 so I'm taking my knowledge from over the years, and uh, as far as tournament fishing and putting strategies together, along with all the techniques and stuff that I've learned over the years, and it's it's working out for me. You know, there's something to be said about the guys, especially as we came up through the the ages, going back where you know you had to use a, a just a flasher depth finder to find edges and places that you could fish and. And you sometimes found, you know, Chad, and sometimes you didn't on those things. But, you know, it made you slow down, and it made you, especially if you were an outside uh, fisherman and you were fishing structure, and you had to slow down. But you, the guys that always won and, and uh, the most consistent were always those guys that fished slow and, and, and caught that bigger fish uh, doing it, which that was the, really the key to success for most of the guys in the West. Um, oh, yeah. and especially with the, the, the lighter lines, you know, when you're dropping down to the five or six pound test that they're using, they even four pound line in some of the, the lakes wow. out here, when you get really, really tough, uh, bites going on, that makes a huge difference. You know, that slowing down, it makes you, makes you money. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? The thing is, is it's, uh, it was hard for me to slow down as a, as a youngster and, I'm not saying you have to slow down all the time. I mean, I, I'm still a fast fisherman. I like to go down the bank fast if I can, and I get I get all up for these tournaments and stuff. But 
But, uh, you know, uh, I guess over the years you've learned that, you know, hey, you know, you need to slow down a little bit and take your time. And there's a time and a place for everything. There's going to be a time you can move down the bank and get things done. But at a place like, say, Lake Mead, where you have a ton of pressure on it for a week before we even get started with the tournament because you got all the anglers out there fishing it, and you always see it. There's always the what we call the pre-fish winners, and those are the guys that are going out catching limits of bass and having lots of fun during practice, and then they go out there, and it's the same old every year. And like I said, I've been fishing it since 1994. It's the same old every year. If you get a limit, you're probably if you get a limit three days in a row, you're probably going to make a check. Yep. So that's how tough it gets from practice to then. And then you've got to know, you've got to know when to make that change. And a lot of people are stubborn in their fishing. I've pre-fished. This is my pattern. This is what I'm going to do. Fish change day to day. That's yep. something I've learned doing my show. And when I pay a crew to go out there with me to do my show, I don't have time to force feed the fish. I've got to be able to turn on a dime and go, hey, this ain't working. i got to do something else now. And I think it's the show has actually helped me become a better tournament fisherman, and the tournament fishing's helped me become a better show host. It's crazy. It's working great. It's a win-win. Hey, that's, we are... pretty, that's pretty interesting, you know, just that the thought, that thought is, it actually works. Because Mead, uh, the wind blows one way one day, and it changes the next day. Your pattern is off. You've got to find oh, yeah. something else to do. If it clouds up and gets clear skies the next day, something else has to change, and you've got to change your, your, your whole thought pattern of how you're going to fish the lake. And, but without doing that, without maybe it is a good idea that you know you're doing the TV show. I like that thought where you're, you have to change up because this isn't working. Let's go find something that is. Hey, we well, are speaking. Hey, we're speaking with pro angler uh, Johnny Johnson from Lakeside, Arizona. Johnny, we've got to take a break right now. Uh, Is there any way uh, you can stay with us for another segment? You betcha. You betcha. I'll stay with you another segment. All right. Hey, Stan and I, we're going to take a break right now, but uh, we're speaking with Johnny Johnson, pro angler from Lakeside, Arizona. Stay tuned. There's still lots more Rod and Reel radio to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon 
or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio. I, <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. I mean, that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. And we do have on with us a pro angler that is fulfilling his dream, especially here in 2016. Mr. Johnny Johnson. Johnny, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, thank you so much. I'll tell you what, it's awesome to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it is our pleasure. Hey, before we get on to some of the highlights of 2016, especially what you've done in the last three months because you're you're really ripping them up big time, you talked about how drop shot fishing gave a little resurgence to your uh, fishing career. Is there a particular technique that you apply that maybe you can share with us a little bit with regards to presentation or lure that has helped you along? You mean as far as the drop shot goes or yes, a different sir. type of bait? Yeah, well, both. I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you what's helped me a ton. I, you know, I'm uh, the rod that I'm using, I, I've always said this on the show, there's no substitute for quality. Yep, and you can catch fish on any rod and reel. We all know this, and but to feel the bite in the deeper water, two things that have really changed my career around is number one, like I said, no substitute for quality. Number two, I used to use straight uh, monofilament or you know fluorocarbon six pound test line for my drop shotting, and it worked. 
but man, I didn't realize how many bites I was missing. I really didn't. And what ended up happening, what's really changed everything for me was I started going to a braid line and I went to a 15 pound test braid line, uh, smackdown. It's a cigar smackdown. But the thing is, is I'm throwing a four, a four carbon leader, a six pound, four carbon leader. I'm using a Taipan rod, and I'll tell you what, it's a straight graphite rod, and that'll help a ton. But the first tournament that I won, the beginning of this year, was at Lake Pleasant, Arizona, for the Wild West inaugural uh, Pro-Am tournament circuit. And they'll be televising it. But, but what had happened was, is I ended up having to find my fish in 40 to 60 foot of water. It was in January. Sure. And... I was one of the only ones, I think there was two limits caught the first day, and I, I was one of them that had it. And I would have had it the second day, except for I had a, tr- uh, a fish get in the tree on me way deep in the water, but I had it on. Uh, but I ended up weighing four fish the second day. But there's no way I would have done that without, like I said, going, going to the uh, braid line, which is A number one, and then tying on that fluorocarbon leader. And then, uh, like I said, a lot of people ask me all the time about the drop shot, and I've seen people because they get line twist. That's the A number one problem that people have with uh, drop shotting is the line twist. You're usually throwing a straight tail worm, or I throw a little curl tail worm here and there. But, you know, as you're reeling it in, the the line seems to twist, and it doesn't matter what's going on with that bottom uh, sinker. Even though it's got the swivel on it, it helps a little bit, but you'll still get a lot of line twist. Well, when I went to the braid, I eliminated the line twist, Number two, uh, don't use a swivel because, and, and I'll be up there in your neck of the woods. I'm, I'm coming up to Bassathon, and I'll probably head up to Sacramento for, for the ISC show. I'll do some tank demos. But the reason why I don't use a swivel is because I want my worm to look as natural as possible in the water with that drop shot rig. You've got the sinker on the bottom. You've got your worm up about 12 to 16 inches above that sinker. And what ends up happening is if you have a swivel tied up above that, when you drop your rod tip to let the worm float down, the swivel falls right in front of the worm. So it doesn't give it that natural presentation. So little things like that make a big difference between winning and losing or catching and not catching fish. Great tip, Johnny. Uh, and now let's go on to your, your train of thought. You've been really doing well in the Wild West Bass Circuit. I know you liked a lot of the elements of that. Come August and September of 2016, all of a sudden, it's time to start thinking about the uh, One Bass U.S. Open. Uh, tell us about your thought process going into that event and then what happened uh, uh, for the three days of that tournament. Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> okay, well, no worries. Going into that tournament, I was throwing reaction baits. Uh, uh, going into practice, I practiced for th- four days. I was there for practice for four days. I went four days, and I might have had a limit of fish in four days. Mm-hmm. One limit of fish. What reaction baits were you trying? You know what? I was throwing little swim baits, and I was throwing top water uh, through some buzz baits. Uh, you know, we didn't have any wind during practice, really, so it wasn't like a spinner bait or a crank bait was <laughs> one of my go-to type of baits anyway. But so I stayed with that kind of stuff, thinking, well, I need to cover water, need to cover water, because I've made a check there the last five years in a row. And I've made that check there by moving and grooving down the bank. And what I mean by moving and grooving doesn't mean going down the bank 100 miles an hour, but it does mean 
that lake is crazy. It's different than any other lake I've ever fished. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is those fish have to compete with the stripers in that lake for, and there's no porridge in there. I mean, I mean, there's absolutely. It's hard to find anything in there habitat-wise for the fish to hang out on. So they just keep moving up and down the bank. You'll go into a cove. They're there today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. And, and so they just keep moving. So I took a. Yeah, I took a big tip from Aaron Martins one day. We were out getting our rods ready for the U.S. Open, and I'm like, man, I'm having a tough time. I found this one spot, and he says, that's your first problem right there, John. Quit spot fishing. He says, these fish are moving down the bank, and you got to keep up with them. Once you find them, you're good. But he says, it could take you a while to find them. You know, he was so right. And so I, I, I started doing that, and, you know, anytime you find life at Lake Mead, and what I mean by life is if you see shad bubbling or you see bluegill in the area or you see, you know, when you pull up into the area, it's so clear. You can see life. It's good. You know, stay there, fish. There's probably bass all over the place. But there's been times I've pulled into an area that looks so good, and it's just dead water. Nothing well, going on. Well, you know, coming up to uh, pre-fish, you had uh, dead calm conditions, really nice. And then oh, yeah. comes tournament day. <laughs> well, this is this is where I tell you I had to spin on the dime there, right? Okay, so I told my guys, I said, I told my buddies that I was fishing with, I said, I'm going to put that drop shot rod in my hand, and I ain't pulling it out. I want to try to make a check. That's all I want to do. I didn't have no clue I was going to win this tournament. But I did know one thing. I wasn't going to do what I did during practice because, you know, what, what do they say, you know, uh, doing the same thing twice it, getting the same result, it ain't happening. You know, you're going to get the same result, but expecting a different result, that's what it is. If you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result when it ain't working, it ain't going to work. You know, He so, who liveth by the sword dieth by the sword. Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I didn't want to force feed the fish, and I took a, a, a page out of the notes of, of my fishing show and said, hey, all right, hey, we got some major wind today. I put my boat in three-foot swells to start the tournament with, and I figured I'm going to give myself one. The fishing was so slow for me. I'll give myself one hour, though, in the morning. And I picked up a spinnerbait. And I'm like, I'm crashing through waves that are three-footers, and my trolling motor's coming out of the water, uh, you know, and, I'm, and it just couldn't, I just started hitting the points, and I started catching some big smallmouth. And I'd catch two or three in the morning, and then I'd go to the drop shot. And try to finish my limit out. And, what area of the lake know, were you in at that point in time? I I didn't stay on the main basin. I went through the narrows out towards Benelli Bay, uh-huh. and I stayed in that big bay there around the island and things like that. And I fought those waves because nobody else would. Yeah. And you know the old saying: I don't like to fish where everybody else is. I don't like the monkey see monkey do thing. I like I like to have my own water. And there's times I'll take the second best water just to stay away from everybody. So I don't have to worry about fishing what I call used water. So I like to fish the fresh water, you know. So, well, Johnny, anyways, after, that's what I did. Johnny, after uh, two days of the U.S. Open, uh, fishing in unbelievably hurricane-type conditions, day three comes up and it calms down a little bit. Uh, where were you uh, uh, place-wise, and uh, what did you do on that third day? On the first day, I was uh, 41st place with 7 pounds. On the second day, I had 965, which was the biggest weight of the, the tournament for that day. Nice. Uh, and, and so I brought in the biggest bag. It jumped me up from 41st to 4th place, and I was one a little over a pound out of the lead. And 
again, I'm just going out hoping I get bit. On the third day, my plan was I knew it was going to be tough and it was going to be bad. So my plan was to just go ahead and uh, run to that spot where I was catching some some uh, spinnerbait fish on some points, you know, just run some points early in the morning with low-light levels. And then with the low-light levels, what I would do is throw throw the spinnerbait for one hour, and then I would turn around and I would uh, I would go back to, to drop shotting. And so that's basically what I did. And did, did you, you have a word du jour? Same, did you go back across the same area that you were throwing the blade? No, I didn't. I, I I went back to the same area where I threw the blade the the, the, the second day, and uh, fished some points and stuff, and managed to catch one one big keeper fish, which was about I'd say two and three quarter pounds on that spinnerbait before the light level came up. Because mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think a lot of people get confused about is, you know, I I've, I've been fishing for a long time. I'm 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 almost fifty years old, and I've been fishing tournaments since I was sixteen years old. But in saying that, you know, they always used to tell you that. Hey, don't throw a spinnerbait or a crankbait unless the wind's blowing. And, yeah. and a lot of it's right. It hel- It does help. I, I'll be honest with you, it does help. Yeah. But in saying that, these, you know, there's nothing. You can throw that spinnerbait on flat water. I just found some shady areas. I found before the sun came up that the fish are still feeding. And they'll hit baits like that because they don't see them as well. They can't make them out as well. And so, you know, I, I got bit, like I said, that first hour on that spinnerbait with the low light. Once the sun came up, it was over. And that's mm-hmm. when I had to really dig out a drop shot limit. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, Johnny, that, you, thought, you, you thought correctly because of the fact you had the heaviest bag, if I'm not mistaken, in the third day. And you actually took the tournament going away. You had 27 pounds plus, And I think the next guy behind you was at least two two and a half pounds, and that is gigantic when it comes yeah. to a lead at Lake Mead, especially when you're talking 183 teams fishing. Yeah, yeah, it was the biggest biggest U.S. Open they've had in history as far as uh, boat count went. And uh, like I said, it was, it, it was crazy. I could not believe I had two of the biggest weights uh, the second day and the third day. It was just, it was insane how, how, how I was going up, and I was watching... You know, my buddy, Justin, uh, oh, doggone, I can't think of his last name right now. Huh? Justin Kerr? No, not Justin Kerr. The guy that was winning it the first day. Oh, Um, Oh, yeah. Um, Anyway, he's from San Diego, too. Huh? He was from San Diego, too. And anyways, what ended up happening was he ended up uh, blinking the second day after coming in with an 11-pound bag the first day. So when you see that happen, you're like, oh, my goodness, this can't be good. (laughs) But as I'm coming in, I'm coming in with a heavier bag each day. And I I did find a little something-something with the drop shot rig, and a lot of it was because of the the, uh, grass that was growing right off some of the cliff walls. And it would go out into a little bit of a point down about probably 15 to 20 foot. And if you found those little grass patches, those bass were hanging right on the ledges, right on the end of those grass patches. And so that's kind of what I found, and I was going behind people catching fish with that drop shot, and that, that was the biggest key. Well, Johnny, we're, we're quickly running out of time over here. We haven't even uh, talked about what you did in the uh, 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 
the ABA uh, uh, team fish off that you won in your third place finish in the WWBT Lucas Oil uh, Western Classic. But uh, just quickly with ABA, were you uh, fishing? You were fishing there at Lake Mead. Were you able to apply a lot of the same technique? You know, on Wild West Bass, I uh, I made the mistake. I, I ended up 22nd in that tournament. I ended up uh, doing something totally different than what I did in the U.S. Open because I went out and I was able to practice another couple of days, and I found a little something that I thought would work a little bit better. Even though I went back to the drop shot, um, I I went to different areas, and I just didn't make it happen. I I went all the way up into Greg's Basin, and I was catching fish there, but I get like one or two, and they weren't the size of the fish that I needed that I was catching out on more towards the main basin. So... In that tournament, I ended up taking 22nd place. When I went back uh, off the Wild West and I went to the ABA the next week, I said, man, it had to be something, I, you know, because I did really well in the U.S. Open. I'm going to go back to that same kind of pattern. And I went back to that pattern, and uh, that's how I was able to take the American Bass Championship. All right. <laughs> Very man. good. Well, Johnny, you've had one heck of a 2016. You can't do this, though, without some great sponsors behind us. Tell us some of the people that have been backing you this year and helping you along. Oh, i got great sponsors. I've got Hatch Toyota, Honda Casino, of course, Bass Pro Shops, and, you know, the Nitro Boats. Uh, I ride in a Z21. Uh, Taipan Rods, Labino Lures, uh, uh Fitzmaurice Hand Institute, Suzuki Law Offices, the Arizona Fishing Guides, of course, because I do a little bit of that. But uh, got some great sponsors, Mercury Outboards, which, you know, was a great product for me at the U.S. Open due to the the uh, weather the way it was over there. That motor got me back and forth really nice. So, I've you know, my sponsors have been awesome, and, and a lot of my sponsors have been with me since since I started the show in 1997, Cellular One of northeastern Arizona is another one, but we've A&M Graphics is another one that wraps the boats and trucks. And I'll tell you, all of them are just great sponsors, and uh, they've stuck with me, and they love the idea of me doing the tournament fishing. They're just loving it. I guess they're getting that double play, you know? That's cool. <laughs> so what do you use for, what do you use for drop, uh, drop shot worms? I'm using robo worms. There uh, you go. You know, yeah, I've been using I've been using robo worms quite a long time. I was with Cactus Wren for a while. They made a great worm, which I still use off and on. It's called the quail tail, and it's it, it's it's uh, man, it's it's an awesome bait. The color is called scorpion, and it works about any any waters anywhere around here, at least in the state. That that color works great. It's called scorpion. But I will say this: that tournament that I won was one on Aaron's Magic and the Oxblood Red Flake at Lake Mead, and, and Robo makes a great worm. I was using the rebar hook, the number one rebar hook, and uh, a quarter-ounce drop shot weight, and you, you'd have it made with that package right there. Johnny, well, I'll tell Greg Stump for you because we're going to be fishing for the next two, two weeks for big tuna together. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, Johnny, before we... Big old tuna drop shot rig going. <laughs> well, we'll have that on for Yellowtail, but we won't be doing that for the tuna. <laughs> Johnny, before we let you go, because I'm cutting into Stan's segment that's coming up next, so I know he won't mind at all. Uh, nah. Why don't you give a, a, an unabashed uh, uh, endorsement for your television show and tell us how we can uh, find you there. 
Oh, you're awesome. It's uh, Fishing with Johnny Johnson on Fox Sports Arizona. It's on uh, three days a week. Our anchor time is 8.30 right now on Sunday mornings. And uh, you can catch it if you have satellite over there. And and, uh, some cable networks are picking it up. We're nationwide on satellite. But it's Fox Sports Arizona, Fishing with Johnny Johnson. We show you the lakes, and we have a lot of fun. You know, I'm just me, and and we have a lot lot of fun showing the lures and techniques it takes to catch bass consistently on our lakes out here. And I'll tell you what, between the tournament fishing and doing that, I've had a great time. And, Johnny, we look forward to seeing you at the Angler's Marine Bassathon coming up here in a couple of weeks. It'll be great to see you and talk to you. And I know you're probably looking forward to talking to a lot of the fishermen here in SoCal and, and even learning some of the techniques that we use to catch some of the big bass here. Oh, I love it. I love it. I learn something new every time I go over there. And like I said, I've had to do some Bass Pro seminars for the spring flings that they have at Cucamonga and all that stuff over there. And I'll tell you what, uh, I have uh, I've, I love doing it. I love doing some talks and demos and things like that. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. And, of course, I get to meet some of my idols as well. You know, when you have the likes of Shaw Grigsby and, and guys like that, I grew up with those guys, watching those guys myself and Learned a lot off of them, and I'll tell you what, I'm excited to, to be over there just to meet my uh, my guys, you know, that I grew up watching. All right. Uh, Johnny Johnson, pro angler out of uh, Lakeside, Arizona, had one heck of a 2016. It ain't over yet. You still have a few months to go, a few weeks to go out there and fish him. But, <laughs> Johnny, thanks a lot for being with us, giving up some of your Sunday night. I'm going to let you get back to the family. We appreciate you being with us, and good luck, and we'll see you at the Anglers Marine Bassathon. All right, we'll see you at the Bassathon. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and uh, uh, I've always dreamed about being on this radio this radio show, and, and I finally got it. Had to win the U.S. <laughs> you, Open, you were done, but we got buddy. it done, baby. <laughs> hey, Johnny job, Johnson Johnny. from uh, uh, Lakeside, Arizona. Hey, that's it for this segment. Jorge, thanks a lot for letting us talk a little bit longer than we normally do. This is Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. Stan and I are going to be back after these messages. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. 
Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. You know, you heard that commercial spot for the Rock Lease Fish Release System. When I left for the Pacific Northwest about uh, 10 days or so ago, we had a couple of dozen here in the shop. When I came back my first day in the shop, I had a customer ask for one. I took them over to where they normally were, and they were all gone, especially if you're fishing Lake San Vicente or if you're getting into the rock fishing right now, Use that Rockley's Bear Trauma device because you're going to save a lot of fish in the long run. And after all, when you want to catch and release a fish, you want to make sure that you release that fish in as good a condition as you can. And you can do that with the Rockley's system. Hey, just before I left for the Pacific Northwest, too, I was uh, uh, doing some interviews at H&M Landing and uh, talking with Captain uh, Mike Keeney of the Spirit Adventure. They were just about go- ready to go out for a great saltwater trip. He said he's anticipating this is going to be an epic year down south. We got Stan Vandenberg that's going to be leaving here in a couple of days on the Indy. And, and Stan, tell us a little bit for some of the fishermen that aren't as familiar with long-range fishing, how you're preparing for this trip. Well, this, this trip is a 13-day trip. Um, and anything, anything past the 10 days, you have a, a shot at going down further uh, south to uh, Clarion Island or the Revilla Hejeros Islands, um, uh, and, and or even the Hurricane Bank, which is out there. It's 946 miles to, to I think, the Hurricane or to Clarion um, uh, from San Diego. So it's uh, four days down and four days back uh, if you're going on that type of a trip. And really you're targeting only the big tuna and the wahoo. Now, the... In 05, I just happened to be on the boat on the qualifier 105 on the bridge with with uh, Joe Cresci when we found that that big fish down there, and we were the first boat to get into that full-on boil down there. That was great okay. fun. Since then, that that fish has been down there. It's been back and forth and back and forth, not in the same numbers that we had it. But this year, the water's cooler, and uh, and. I, I haven't talked to the, my boys that were back down there at the, at the jackpot, the tuna jackpot in Cabo, but I've, they've been catching 150 to 200 pound fish since since June on the Jaime, which is just outside of San Jose del Cabo. Uh, they've got a 300 pounder on the inside on the East Cape. They've gotten fish uh, 150 to 200 pounds outside, 50 miles out from Cabo and around on the Jaime. 
uh, on the inside. I mean, on the outside, on the Pacific side, that fish has been around. So I've, I've been and been keeping tabs on what's going on, and it's pretty exciting. The wahoo bite has been off the hook good. I mean, just great fishing for wahoo for the last month. Uh, or better down south along the top of the ridge, and they've got school tuna down there. So if you're going down that way, uh, you can expect that. Even Alejos Rocks had some really, really good wahoo fishing also. So I know that that's going to be in, in line. I have to give a shout-out to my buddy uh, Danny Munn from Melton's. He's on the Indy right now, but he got a 358 lifetime best fish uh, on the boat. Um, down on the lower banks outside of Mag Bay. That's where the, all the big fish were in uh, in 05 and 06 and coming up this way, and that kind of set the, the charts. We learned a lot about how to fish those big fish in those years, um, a lot of technology with the spectras and the connections and, and what hooks to use. I mean, lots of knowledge has been in place since then. So now the boats that go on this, there's anything from 12 to 15 day trips. They'll go down to the hurricane. I know Intrepid was down to the hurricane. He, uh, Kevin likes to run that trip every year with the guys from Catchy Tackle, and, and they had a spectacular trip. I think they had 19 fish over two. Uh, big fish was something around 260, 270, or something like that. Can't remember exactly what that they had for a big one, but they had lots of them. And then they came back up the line and they stopped on the Mag Bay area, and they. Pounded, pounded out a bunch more. So uh, I expect to have a pretty doggone good trip catching wahoo and bigger tuna uh, if we get a chance to come back up the line and hit the yellowtail and play around with that or calico bass on the way up. All these guys that we fish with, Greg Stump and, and uh, with Robo Worms, and he'll bring the tails for us to do that with. And even Steve Abel, the fly guy, you know, he makes Abel fly reels there for years and years, and he'll be on the boat with us. He'll He'll bring a fly rod just in case he wants to play with it. But um, it, I just look forward to it'll be a good trip. Uh, most of the bigger iron you're going to be is that PL-68, the Teddy 14s, the 15s, if you still can find them. Uh, I really like those baits. Um, the Wahoo baits are any bomb. I make the Vander bomb. And then we have uh, the Captain Jimmy's or the Catchy Tackle bombs. Uh, and the, one of the best bombs is if you just go and find the Lead Masters. Jim makes a little bomb that is a six-ouncer that you can throw and turn a handle on, and it is a dynamite little bomb. So there's a, a lot out there to fish, and i uh, I got 30 guys that are chomping at the bit. How about your rod and reels now? You know, you're going to be down there. 13 days, uh, you say, you know, you're five days down, five days back. Any chance you might stop off somewhere along the way if if you run into Wahoo or something like that? Oh, or? that's a regular plan deal. I, on my charters, I do a little, I'm, I run my charters a little different than a lot of other guys do. been doing them, long, well, since 91, I've been running long-range stuff. But uh, I make the guys work for their fish on this one. On The day two of our trip, I'll have arts and crafts days. Uh, and arts and crafts in the afternoon, and the guys have to come into the galley and build their own Wahoo bomb. And once they've built that Wahoo bomb, our first stop is usually either Lejos Rocks or off on the top of the ridge to target the Wahoo, and the first guy to land a Wahoo on the homemade bomb, whatever he makes, wins a rod and reel combo. Now, this year's rod and reel combo, I just happen to have a cousin's rod, cousin's cowboyed up, and, and they've got a great... Wahoo rod that they've given, given us, and I've got a 
uh, Ovet Real, an HXW, an HX uh, Narrow, the HXJ, uh, filled with Spectra. So the first guy that catches a Wahoo on his own bomb wins that rod and reel combo. Um, I'll be fishing the 2x4s and triple uh, X or quad X rods from Super Seekers. Uh, with, uh, I've, I've got 50, the San Diego Avet SD50s open top on it with uh, uh, 130 pound for the bigger fish. Um, uh, I've got 30 wide, three speeds uh, on the Avets for the 130 and 100 pound. Uh, and then the HXW with 100 pound for uh, if you need to get it away from the boat and the fish are kind of picky. Um, you can make a longer cast with that scenario. The, the drags are on the newer reels are just phenomenal with the Raptor style uh, uh, that they've got for their reels. So I've got maximum fluorocarbon, and uh, I'll be using Gamagatsu. Uh, most of the time I use a 5-aught heavy-duty J-hook, and I don't use the ring. I want to keep the presentation as light as I possibly can because when you're talking about a sardine having to pull around uh, a hundred pound string or or hundred and thirty pound string, it doesn't take much until that sardine's wore out. So uh, I don't use a ring hook. I tie direct to the hook with my uh, a short top shot, mostly maybe twelve to fifteen feet to my spectra, and I use a. I've gone back to using solid spectra instead of uh, hollow because it it is easier for the fish to pull that without that ballooning effect that happens with your hollow spectra until you get it stretched out because it does eventually go real thin. You get it packed down on your your reel, but um, we found what, if it's tough fishing that you get bit a lot better with that 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 tighter weave on that spectra. It goes through the water easier, and um, it can make a difference on your fishing. I'll use a 5-aught, 6-aught, 7-aught, even a 10-aught, Depending on the mackerel, you get down below. You've got to make mackerel every night. If you if you haven't got a, a sabiki bait stick, get one. And they make a bait rod that is perfect for what the. If you're out here having to make mackerel or make bait on any of the long range boats, it's such an easy thing to have. The line goes through the middle of the rod. You can put your sabiki rig on that and then attach your weight. And it and when you reel it up, you're Sabiki rig goes inside the rod, and your weight sits on the end of it, and it's ready to go. But that's one of the most important parts of long-range fishing is every night you're going to be making bait, especially when you get down below and uh, you've got to find that tube mackerel, or they call them chewillies if you're in Cabo San Lucas. But if you've got one of those, it's pretty much you're going to get a, uh, you're going to get a bite if you've got one of those on. So we fish for those. They're harder to catch, but... If you've got a bunch of them, you're going to get better biters on them. So, Stan, Promar makes that sabiki uh, a rod. Now, when it comes to your sabiki rig, what size hook are you using for uh, uh, that type of uh, bait? Well, you're not using the, the, the big hook, so you have to go back to the smaller one. And um, So like 10s or 8s or, or a little larger than that or what? Yeah, 8s or, I mean, what is that? it might go up to a... Uh, six to fours in that realm. They're, they're not real big ones, and they're the ones yeah. with that little paper fly. Right. Um, uh, it's uh, got a little wings on it, and, li- and, you, and they've got the little glow-in-the-dark beads on them, too. But they're the smaller flies, oddly enough, for that particular style of, of mackerel. Now, you get down there, you get 
some of the bigger mackerel, they'll eat anything you put down. But for the for that particular tube mackerel, they usually like that smaller one. So, and you got to you got to bring a bunch of them because you get, you know, four or five or six mackerel on one rig, and man, they mess that rig up in a hurry. <laughs> well, that's yeah. If you got the rod, at least you know that rod when you're. You, you don't have things flying off in the wind while you're walking down the, the side of the boat where everybody puts their rigs back up and, and then all your little flies are sitting there dangling in the wind. But at least this one, when you're done, you can you, you can put all of them, you just reel it right into the rod, you set it in the rod rack, and you're done. But And then dropping it back out. we I'll take probably five or six uh, different sabiki rigs with me um, and and you'll you're going to lose a few hooks here and there because depending on what mackerel you're fishing, you'll have some breakoffs that comes with like, you know, I think they're thirty pound on that stuff. Um, but it it just happens, and if you get messed up with somebody else because these mackerel don't have a, a clue what they're doing, they just hang, and everybody has six hooks on there or hooks on there, whatever that is. Well, Stan, we uh, wrapped up. We wish you a great trip on the Indy. Uh, uh, when do you leave here now? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday what? morning? Wednesday All right, morning, and I'll be down at the dock and ready to rock and roll. So you're going to be off for the next couple of weeks, but we look forward to uh, a really sensational uh, report when you get back. Well, I mean, I'm going to hit the dock on the 22nd, the morning of the 22nd, and then I fly immediately out of San Diego that that afternoon. Uh, to Texas, I'm going to go bass fish in Texas and then have Thanksgiving with my daughter and my two grandsons there and then come home, so it'll be the 1st of December before I get back here. All but right. I'll, well, hey, we got to take a break here at the top of the hour. This is Ron Real Radio on AM540 or at ronrealradio.com. Stay tuned. You know, we're talking about 2016 being an excellent year for uh, Johnny Johnson. Well, we have another young fisherman that's coming on up, Zach Zorn, and he's going to tell us how 2016 has treated him on the saltwater side. Stay tuned. There's still lots more Rod and Reel Radio to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends? but are a bit set back with just what company to go with, Rod and Reel Radio urges you to try American and family-owned Land's End Charters. Land's End Charters offer their clients affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. 
Fish with their brand name fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a family-run business with over 50 years of experience. Go to landsendcharters.com to see all the current vessels and amenities available and call Cabo Greg or Jenny directly at 800-281-5778 when you're ready to get fishing. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quanto Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hey, Stan and I, we do want to welcome you back to our Rod and Reel Radio. You know, we've been talking a little bit how epic the 2016 season has been. I know if you've been out uh, fishing uh, offshore, most of you have experienced, but we got a young fellow on with us that 2016 has just gone beyond all the barriers. He's got several triple-digit fish to his uh, credit here in 2016, and then he had an opportunity to go down to Cabo San Lucas and be part of the 2016 Bisbee Tournament, which just concluded there last week. Let's welcome him to Ron Real Radio. We had him on last June to talk about a big fish that he had caught with some friends, but, you know, he's got more story to tell. So, Zach Zorn, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me again. Are you kidding? You've done great stuff, buddy. Fishing's been pretty good. <laughs> Oh, fishing's been really good. It's, you don't want it to end, you know? No, well, it hasn't. They're still catching them out here. Yeah, yeah, oh, Z- I know. It's Zach, get let's, back out. let's talk a little bit how 2016 started for you. We had you on in, in June when you had 
a real big fish on, but you had at least one and maybe a couple of other tri- triple-digit fish before that. Tell us how 2016 started for you when it came to fishing for big fish. Yeah, so, well, let me take it back to previous season, 2015. So I was on um, the San Diego three-quarter day boat with Brandon Hayward. He chartered it out for a Jig Chuckers Ball back in 2015, and that's when we saw the big bluefin move in. So we were fishing yellowtail, and all of a sudden these bluefin popped up in with the yellowtail bird school. And these were 100 to 180-pound fish, you know, and I was lucky enough to hook one, and I just got wrecked. I was on a 9-foot, 10-foot <laughs> big stick, Trinidad 20 with a 30-pound top shot. Oh, and I got <laughs> Like, you know, not, no, didn't even phase it. Full drag, nothing. Yeah, yeah, all so, wrong. All right. It was, it was awesome and heartbreaking all in one. So after that incident, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get the big boy gear. I'm going to step up to the Talica 25, Talica 16s. And if these fish, they come around next year, I'm going to be ready. So 2016 rolls around, and we see the big bluefin again. So I got myself. My good friend Seth Dubois, like Evan Kruger, Will Derrick, a couple of good friends of mine uh, that just absolutely loved to fish. We'd all hop in Seth's 22-foot Roballo, and he would trailer it down to San Diego every week, and we'd go blast out to 302, you know, 182, Coronados, wherever, wherever that anchovy was that the bluefin were sticking to, we would try to find it. And those bluefin, they put on such a show, uh, just knocking anchovy balls out of the water, so we would start by throwing the surface iron. That lasted for a couple weeks. Um, we got a lot of fish in that 60 to 80-pound class, um, and then it transitioned over to that popper bite, and that was just all time. you just watching them just blow up and roll on the popper. Even if you don't get bit, just watching it happen. Is, well, just being there, that's incredible. exciting stuff. Okay. Yeah, and these fish, they were so big. So you'd have – there was like a couple groups of fish. There was that 60 to 80-pound and then maybe that 120 to 150, and then you had the big boys, the 200s. Yep. Zach, was there any popper that was working better for you than another popper, or was it just a matter of finding him and getting it on him? That big um, the big haymaker. Um, By Halco? It was a, the Halco, yeah, in the Bonita yeah. color, the big one. Just If you threw that in the middle of them and gave it one good pop, you were bit. Just for whatever reason, I have it's hanging out. It's actually hanging up in the garage right now, and has no paint left on it. It's just <laughs> white. And they just love that. So, over a couple weeks of fishing the bluefin, we got a couple one twenties, some one thirties, um, and then thirty fish or so in that sixty to eighty pound class, maybe hundred. You know those borderline fish. Mm-hmm. So the whole the whole goal was to get one over a hundred. That was my goal. And got it down with like a 134 <laughs> to start. And then, not even thinking that we'd have a shot at 200. And then, so these 200s start coming in. And we were just getting wrecked on the popper gear. Even, even those Trinidads and Talicas, we just couldn't keep them on for whatever reason. Nope. So we, we, were like, we changed up the game plan and we switched up to mackerel. And that allowed us to fish, you know, Talica 25, 130 fluoro, and, you know, just a little bit better shot. So we got some good intel, ran out to the 43 one day, and um, 
we got a 140 on a mackerel. And we're like, okay, there's big fish around. So slow troll on that thing. Slow troll on that thing, way behind the boat. Yep. We're in the 22-foot yep. skiff. Yep. So super stealth. So Seth and I and our other buddy Joe are like, let's, let's go again. So we go two days later, and that's when we hook in that 240. And that, that, was, a, that was a roller coaster ride. That was eight and a half hours huh. of just pure determination to get this fish in the boat. And that fish did not want to come in the boat. So it towed us, I think, 11 or so miles. All We're you know, south of a pyramid there by Komeni. Yep. And that also bit on a slow-trolled mackerel. Thankfully, it was on the 130 fluoro and Talica 25. So plenty of line capacity. The rod was too light that we were fishing. Um, but we got the fish, and at the now time, that, it was that's the biggest problem. of the season. Yeah, well, it, it, tell me, you, you got that fish on the boat. It took you eight hours to get it. You know, uh, I also recall from the interview we did from you that you stayed in contact with the Coast Guard and you let them know what was happening uh, to let your, you know, your friends and your family know, we just might be in just a tad bit late tonight, and it's because we got this big fish. But i got to find out, how did you ever get this fish in the boat, Zach? Oh, um, pure <laughs> tug of war. So the boat has no rail on it. It had no stand-up gear. We're fighting it either sitting down on a seat, like trying to make like a fighting chair, or just standing up pulling on it. And at that, about that hour eight mark, the fish had finally tired out, but we still had to just lift that, the, the sheer weight of it up about 100 feet. We could see it on the meter. It was just sulked out at 100 feet per hours. Wow. And I was on the controls. You had Seth and Joe on the rod, and they would just get quarter crank, a quarter crank, and finally those quarter cranks, you know, added up and we were slowly able to raise the fish. And then it was dark at this time, so you obviously you see the silver coming up probably 50 feet down, 40 feet, whatever the viz was. And that, that felt like an eternity. That last, that last 30 minutes just felt like it took forever. And the fish it just does. got bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes, you didn't but, have to worry about a tuna sticker with it or anything else like that. But, uh, you know, here you are in the dark, and you really never saw the fish in its entirety till it got up to the surface because at that time it was it was almost totally pitch black out there. Yeah, didn't see it until didn't get the full the how big it really was until three or four circles under the boat. And I was just thinking the entire time like this fish better be big because we've been on it for eight hours. <laughs> it better not be a one fifty or something like that. We'll never live it down. And yeah. thankfully. It was over that 200-pound mark, and so we stick it with – there was only three of us on the boat, and we're already tired. Now we got this thing boat side, and we have to try to drag it in the boat. And it took us two or three tries, and we were finally able to get it up and over the fiberglass rail there and, and into the console. My gosh. You know, the, I've, I've talked to a bunch of my friends that, were, that had small boats, and there's no rails on it. So it's rail fishing, that, that fish is pretty tough. The, I tried to tell them, go get yourself a Smitty belt with the plate because you can you can mm. put the pressure on them. They've got a handle on the back end of it so you can hold on to it and you can move the guy around and you can swap it out when you need to without having to get killed. But that man, that, I wish we so, had one of those. <laughs> well, you know that's the thing that that the private boaters need to learn. Hey, that is the tool when you haven't got rails like on the big boats. That 
mini belt with a big plate. You know, you can put on your your thigh, and you're right there on the rail. You can you can move around the boat. If you can take it out when you need it, that has been such a big help to the guys that own those bigger fish out there. Um, but you know, that wasn't uh, most of the people just like you. They'd never got a cow in any way, shape, or form. And now we got cow bluefin here, which that's a trophy I haven't got. I got lots of hundred pounders, but I haven't got any of over two. But that is a fish that that's a fish of a lifetime here on the West Coast. Well, yeah, uh, we didn't know we were. We, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. You know, it, it's always like, oh, let's go get a 200-pounder, but we didn't know what really that entailed. So, actually, the next day or two days later, Seth's dad went out and bought us full stand-up gear. So, if yeah. it ever happens again, we got the full stand-up gear and we're ready to go. Good deal. Well, Zach, but, let's, but finish we the, <laughs> let's finish the story. You're at San Clemente Island. Uh, it's getting dark. It, it's late in the evening. Where the heck do you go, and what's the rest of the story with regards to verifying how big this fish was? So we get the fish on the deck, and where it landed, it landed in between like the, the seat and the console at our feet. And it's so big that we can't move it. So we had to ride the feet on it. I love it. There was no way to, to, to spin it around. And so we had launched out of Newport, so we ran to Newport. It was about 60 miles. Um, it was dark, it was foggy, so we were making, like, Coast Guard contact, no radar, but um, we had all our lights on and everything, and we, so we ran to Newport, and Seth's uh, family has a sport fisher there. So we were able to pull up to that and spend the night on the sport fisher since the, um, the, tunic, or the angling club was closed already, so we couldn't weigh it in. So we spend the night on his boat. We kind of ice the fish down the best we can. We tried to get it into a kill bag, and by tried, I mean just the head was in the kill bag. <laughs> so that didn't work out too well. Um, and then we wake up in the morning, and the thing's still on the deck, and we're like, that is a very, very big fish. You didn't get the full effect until, like, the daytime hit. And you should have seen the looks that we got. We were able to finally get it up on the bow of the bay boat, and going through Newport Harbor at 7 a.m., over to the weigh-in station with everyone staring at you, you get some weird looks. <laughs> no one had really seen a fish that big in a long time there. Hey, uh, we're speaking with Zach Storm- Zorn. He's a young man who's <laughs> got some great fishing stories, but I think the best one is still to come because he was uh, a member of one of the more successful teams that fished the Bisbee this year. Zach, can you stay with us for another segment and give us the details Absolutely. on how you did down in Cabo? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're with Zach Zorin, and uh, Stan and I, we're having a good time hearing Zach's stories. I hope you are, too. But we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back after these messages. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. 
Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. And we were speaking to San Diego County angler uh, Zach Zorn was telling us a little bit about some of the adventures he had concerning double-digit tuna off our coast this past year. But... The real reason that I asked Zach to come aboard with us is to talk a little bit about the 2016 Bisbee Tournament. And, Zach, you want to tell us how did you get hooked up with the guys and tell us a little bit about your adventure down in Cabo San Lucas. So the conversation started, I'd say, about six months ago. Um, I had met Bill McWethy, who's the owner of the Sea Bandit, about four years ago when I had filmed. Um, I own an aerial photography company. So I filmed for Custler Yachts in San Diego, and at the time they had one of his uh, custom sport fishers listed with them. So I filmed that, and uh, him and I became good friends through that. So he had a or owned a yacht building company, uh, sport fishing company here in San Diego, 
And so he has himself a 75-foot sport fisher custom to his liking that is meant for fishing the Bisbees. So I get the phone call about six months ago that they're throwing around the idea of going down there, um, that it's going to happen. Uh, Frank Deanna is the captain. He owns the Dominator out of San Diego uh, at a Point Loma landing there. So he's running the boat, and they asked if I might have some interest in coming down and do some tournament fishing. And I was like, absolutely. Like, oh, heck, yeah. Me in. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is something that, that you can only dream about, so count me in. So to kind of warm up with that, uh, we fished the ABC Avalon Billfish Challenge a couple months ago. That was kind of like our warm-up, even though it was just stripers, just kind of working together as a, as a team. So that went well. We finished fourth in that, and then the guys got the boat ready for Cabo. So they headed down um, early, early before the tournament because they were fishing a little bisbees and wanted to do some pre-fishing. So they fished on the way down and fished the little bisbees, and they, they got a really good bite um, in the Sea of Cortez during that tournament. Unfortunately, they lost it, but they had found the zone that they wanted to fish for the big bisbees. They found, you know, that the spot had the right water conditions, the right bait, and it just all came together. So I fly in uh, day before the tournament, and I meet the fellow, our fellow team. So I got, we have Bill, the owner, uh, Frank, the captain, Russ Armstrong uh, was, was to be the angler, and Corey uh, Grodsky, who is the captain on the Spirit of Adventure out of San Diego. So it was us six, and Scott Critch, another deckhand. So it was us six um, that, that made up the team. And we're all a rookie team fishing together. So I had never fished the Bisbees before. Um, a couple other guys, they'd fished it. Bill is a seasoned vet. He'd had a first place, two-thirds and two-fifths prior to this. So they knew what they were doing. But uh, myself and Scotty, we were, uh, we were new to this. So it was exciting just to be down there. And so day, day one rolls around, and we're all going out for the shotgun start. And what that alone is is worth the price of admission. Zach, before you get you into get, that, because I know it is uh, exciting, for those people that are listening that are not familiar with the Bisbee, tell us a little bit about the format and what, you know, what you're fishing for. Yeah, how much can you win? So that's, that's the key. Well, the tournament is coined the world's richest fishing tournament. So this year, I believe it was about $3.2 million was on the line, roughly. Maybe 3.5 million um, that, that made up the tournament. So there's 121 teams that are fishing for blue and black marlin. Um, to be a qualifying fish, the fish has to be over 300 pounds. Or if you take it to the scale and it's under that, you get a point deduction. But if it's over 300, you get you get points per pound, just like any other tournament. But strictly blacks and blues. So right. what do you have to any up in order to get into this? And I know there's. There's different combinations of side pots and everything like that that you can get into. So the minimum is $5,000. Uh, but if you go across the board, and that's when you can win seven figures, you're looking at about $75,000 buy-in if you go across the board. That's right. for the boat. It's some, it's some serious money. It's high-stakes gambling. But as they say, in three days, a millionaire is going to be made. So you're fishing for millions of dollars. And so that obviously attacks attention from teams all over the world. you got teams coming in from Florida, Hawaii, 
Southern California, from all over, Costa Rica. So it's pretty much the best of the best. And I was just humbled to get invited to participate in something like this. Now, you, you were talking so, about the shotgun start, and that was something that obviously, okay, you've been in shotgun starts before, but did you ever anticipate what this was going to be like? No, nothing will prepare you. I've seen videos, everyone's seen videos and photos, but when you have 121 boats all going full throttle, uh, when go is set on the radio, it is incredible. So we're on a 75-footer. you got C-32 cats, twin turbos. We're running at 100% engine load, doing 35 knots, burning 200 gallons an hour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the most amazing things I've, I've been in, in tournaments where they – the first Marlin tournament that I was ever in was back when. But when they say go and all the boats are pointed out of the harbor and they take off and you, you, you've got these big boats that are just burning the coal and they're going as fast as they can to get out to where they've got to go – it's impressive because there's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars right there. Right. Now, Zach, oh, time, you, time is money. you yeah. had said that uh, in the pre-fish uh, that the uh, Sea Bandit had, had found an area of fish in the Sea of Cortez. That's not exactly around the corner from uh, San Jose del Cabo. Uh, but is that where you went? Well, we went about 30 miles up into the sea there. Okay. You, you're limited to like a 40-mile radius from Cabo. So we went 30 miles, made a left out of the harbor there, and went about 30 miles. Okay. Um, got, so we were going to be – we wanted to fish bait. You, there's two different so guys. So you're past the, the Gordo Bank? Bait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's the two guys. So you got the jig guys that want to pull jigs, and then you got the guys that slow troll live bait. Just two different tactics. Both work extremely well. But we decided that we wanted to be a bait, bait boat. So this meant, you know, catching yellowfin or small skipjack and that you bridle up and that you slow troll, just like you'd be slow trolling a mackerel here, but instead you're slow trolling a 12-pound yellowfin for a 500-pound fish. Man, um, that is... So that, go on. Shotgun start goes off. Boats are running full speed. You just see the haze of diesel smoke. And we run for... I want to say about an hour and 30 minutes, maybe an hour, to the bait grounds because we got to make bait. And everybody can contest that bait making was extremely hard to come by this year. So day one, we spent hours. Tournament starts at 8 o'clock. We spent from about 8 to 1 in the afternoon trying to make bait. It was just insanely hard. And we were rewarded with, like, two yellowfin for our efforts. So we bridled those up. It was about a two-mile run from the bait grounds to the zone that we wanted to fish. So short run, make the run out there, bridle up the baits, and we throw them out there. But tournament lines in at 5 o'clock, so it didn't give us much time to catch a fish. And fortunately, no one had caught a fish the entire day. There was no qualifiers. So day one ended. No fish were uh, brought to the scales that qualified. So all that money rolled over to day two. So that was, we're like, okay, you know what, day two, like it's a new day. Let's see what happens. Well, we wake up day two, and we go to fire up the mains, and we got nothing. Batteries are, batteries are done. Cabo heat had zapped the batteries. And we're now an hour before the shotguns start. And we have one good bank of batteries, the house batteries, but we aren't able to use that to fire the mains. So we're scrambling around trying to find jumper cables. 
We're using truck jumper cables. That's not working. We're melting and frying those based on the amperage. And so the neighbor next to us in the boat actually had an old shore power cable. So Frankie grabs the shore power cable, splices on two connectors, and is able to jump both the mains from the house battery bank and fire up both engines. And we were only about 30 minutes late to start the tournament. Wow. So that was nerve-wracking, but... Everyone worked together and was able to get that done and get out fishing. And uh, we didn't get a fish that day either, but Quintetta, they, they were trolling lures, and they landed, I think, a 534-pound marlin that nice. day. And that was the biggest fish of the day. And so with that fish, that daily took them to about $2.2 million for day two. Yep. So we're like, that, that's a big fish right there. And we're like, but there's still day three. Like, there's still a significant amount of money on the line. There's still room for second, third, fourth place. So we were able to get new batteries installed in the boat overnight, and we were ready for day three. We had the game plan that we were going to go make bait. You're allowed to make bait before the tournament as long as you're back in by 745 uh, before the start. So we ran out to the bait grounds, found a spot that was local, and it was just it was my time to shine, actually. Uh, Frankie put us on three spots of fish right in the morning in the gray, and each time I was able to connect with the Colt sniper, and we capitalized on three yellowfin, like 10 to 15-pound fish. You know, the perfect, perfect. like, I call them snicker bars. It was like a Marlin Snickers bar. It's a little candy for Marlin. So <laughs> we run back to the line, and we're there in plenty of time, and we're feeling good. Like, we got bait. Let's make this happen. We got all day to fish now. We got the full time. So, shotgun start day three. We run out to our grid that we wanted to fish, and we had lines in the water by about nine thirty that day. Um, we had one down on the downrigger, about a hundred feet, and then one on the outrigger. Um, though using three hundred pound leader to an eighteen knot circle hook, um, non offset. So non-offset at about no, yeah. no you can't use an offset in a tournament. You got to use the non-offset. Yep, yep, that's the important part. I was going to say. So at ten fifty-eight, I'm sitting on the back deck on the second level, and I'm watching the the outrigger start stretching, 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 and you just hear that you know the signature rubber band snap oh, that wow. it grabs everybody's attention. Things just snap, and we're like we're bit. So Russ, who is the angler. He, it's not his first time in the Bisbees, so he knew exactly what to do. It's not in gear yet. It's just the clicker is going. He grabs the rod, walks over to the chair, sticks in the chair, gets himself buckled in before he even put it in. It put the rod in, or the reel in gear. He knew once he hooked it, it's pretty hard to move that rod. So he made it to the chair first, buckled in, and slowly pushed the lever up to about 27 pounds of drag. And he comes tight on the fish. But the fish is swimming right at us, so he's just gaining line, gaining line, and we, we don't know what it is. It seems like a small fish just based on how it's coming in, and then all of a sudden it realizes it's hooked, and see ya, 27 <laughs> pounds of drag, did, did not even phase it. It, think, it just goes on a run. And, but we still haven't got a visual on the fish, so we don't know if this is just an under 300, if this is a big fish. We have no idea. But we clear the other line, get the deck set, and then all of a sudden, this fish comes out of the water. And I just freeze. I've never seen a fish this big. And Russ <laughs> is yelling. He's like, that's a contender. And we're all, like, excited and like, okay, it's game time here. 
And this fish, it wasn't happy that it was hooked. It was doing everything you don't want a marlin to do. It was looking right at us, shaking its head, trying to throw that hook. But Russ stayed cool and calm on the, on the drag, backing it down when he needed to. And Frankie worked the boat just fine. And they were able to keep it tight. And uh, it took about 45 minutes uh, before Russ had it at leader. So that entire time, I'm just kind of standing back, making sure, you know, the deck's clear, gaffs are where they need to be, flying gaffs are out, um, gloves are where they need to be, et cetera. And so we get it up to leader the first time, and Frankie leaders it in, and we get it just, just before the gaff, and it takes, it kind of gets its head pointed down and swims out on us. So five minutes later, Russ gets it to leader again, and Frankie's able to leader it up, gets it to the side of the boat, and Corey gets a flying gaff in it. And I'm able to bring the other flying gaff over and get that gaff in it. And then Scott comes in with a third, just standard gaff, and we're like, we got this fish. And now came the hard part of getting it in the door. So we kind of take a deep breath, walk it around the back of the boat, and after I think it took two, two or three tries, we're able to get it up and over and slide it in and uh, get it on the deck. And that's when we realized that we might actually have a shot at placing with this fish and might be in the money. Uh, it was a good fish. It was a black marlin. And it came in at 416-pound er, black. Nice. Well, we, we want to congratulate you because that 416-pound black marlin was good enough to get you and the team uh, second place. Uh, uh, you know, first place, man, was still a great payoff at almost $2.2 million. You guys came in with just uh, $685,000 for second place. Tell me, what was that <laughs> award ceremony like for you? Well, first is the weigh-in. So that yeah. so we fished the rest of the day, and we came back in, and there was 10 other boats that day to weigh in fish. And you start playing the odds. So we were the last boat because of how far away we were fishing. And so for 10 fish, we had to listen on the radio and be in just suspense whether that fish was going to a qualify or what the weight of the fish was. We knew our fish was about 400 just based on measuring it. So talk about nerve-wracking, waiting for 10 other boats to weigh in their fish. We're all pacing back and forth. We're sweating. So we pull into the dock, and at that point we knew that we had probably caught the biggest fish of the day if our math was right. So, you know, you, they wheel the fish up through. There's hundreds of people in Cabo there. They, they wheel it through the crowds. you got the cameras there. Uh, there's news crews. And they get you up on stage, they hoist it up, and then the guy yells out the weight, and the place just erupted. And we're all giving high fives and hugs and everything. And they, they put you up on stage with the fish, and it was just pictures for about 15 or 20 minutes. It was, it was incredible just well, looking out and realizing what we were a part of. So well, did that- you make enough to buy a car? <laughs> <laughs> I did, but... It's going towards it's going towards my first home here in a couple of years. Good so, for you. Well, Zach, that, do you go with that? Yes, go on. And then, so they they take it off the stage, and it's just kind of a surreal experience. Just everyone's there, wants pictures with your fish, giving giving you high five. And then the next night's a ceremony, and that was just that was a very cool ceremony. They put all top five teams, you know, right in front of the stage. Uh, Great, great awards. Um, it was just a great group of guys, just all just stoked on fishing and happy to be able to participate. Well, you so think it was you a got great environment. In, you think you got an invitation to go back next year? 
I hope so. I think I do. <laughs> I, I think a boy. I'm in fight. Well, hey, Zach, we've run out of time for the segment, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being with us and want to congratulate uh, uh, you and the uh, the Sea Bandit, especially um, owner uh, Frank Diana and uh, I'm sorry, owner uh, Bill McWorthy and uh, skipper Frank Diana and all all the crew. It sounds like a, a memory of a lifetime, and who knows? Maybe you can go back there and do it again. It sounds like it'll be a great time. Yeah, that, that's the goal. It's always the goal. But I just want to thank those guys for, you know, give me a chance and give me to experience that at such a young age. And then I want to thank Cousins Tackle and the Mad Hueys and Spy Optic for their continual support through this season. Uh, just kind of done without those guys. So I'm excited to see what uh, next year has in store for us. All right. Well, Zach, we appreciate you taking some time to be with us and tell us about your 2016 season epic and you still have another eight weeks to go and the fish are still out there you're going to go out there after them that's the plan after the slow dies (laughs) down uh hopefully seth and i we've been talking about we've been talking with all the guys in the industry we want to try to target a swordfish rod and reel on the skiff so that is something to put our our efforts into it's a long shot but we think we can do it I love how fishy you are, buddy. That's a great one. You did a great job telling a story tonight because I know nobody turned a channel while they were listening. And go get that swordfish. All right. Thank hey, you. Zach. And have a great uh, long-range trip, too. I'm going to plan on it, buddy. <laughs> All right. Zach Zorn from uh, San Diego County. Zach, thank you for being with us and relating your story. It's great. And I hope to have you on several times again in 2017, so you can tell us how you're doing. We appreciate you spending some of your Saturday night, uh, Sunday night with us. That was that was pretty great stuff right there, buddy. <laughs> All right, hey Stan and I, we got to take a break right now. But coming up next to Southern California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. Stay tuned. Still, lots more Rod and Reel Radio to come. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of moves. Movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619 222 1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. And welcome back to Ron Real Radio. Stan and I are happy to have you here. Stan, uh, when you were that young, could you just imagine having a summer like Zach Zorn had? No, that's the, that's the dream, though. You know, I, I can't tell you how many great summers I've had. Not that you had a chance to go fish the Bisbees. I mean, that's I, that's still not in my pocketbook. But <laughs> it's uh, what a fun, fun year it's been for this this young man. You know, look at the, the chance to catch big ones offshore. So many, so many young guys I know have been out there pulling on that big fish and learning. I mean, because it's a it's a learning curve to pull on big fish, uh, and and then to have a chance to go to the Bisbees and win some money. <laughs> That's Ooh. killer. Hey, well, let, uh, for those of us that cannot make it down to this Bisbee or cannot make it down on a, a 13-day trip like Stan's going on on the Indy here, uh, let's uh, find out what's happening off our local waters. And with us now is the fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson, to clue us in on all the happenings. Captain James, it seems like forever since we've had a chance to say hello to you, but welcome again back to Rotten Real Radio. Well, thanks again for having me, John. Well, yeah. It's good to, to be on here. I got I hear you and Stan. Wendy here, too? No, no. Nope. Standy is at the CCA uh, Crab Boil up in Orange County. Uh, a big fundraiser for them up there. And uh, uh, Wendy is on the board of directors, and so she's spending some time with Wayne Cotto and those fine people at the CCA. So uh, just Stan and I. But... Uh, Give us an idea. What's happening uh, off our local waters, Jim? Well, well beautiful having, having you two on. And, you know, as far as what's happening local, I, I could speak more for a lake and bay than I can anything else, uh, you know, I, as far as firsthand. But I hear all the, all the fishing's good out there, you know, as far as coastally and even further on. But I'll tell you what, John, our bay right now, 
we got everything that you want to catch, bite, and just about. I mean, we've got leopard sharks, uh, all the nice rays that we like to catch. We've got bonefish. We've got bay bass. Yeah, you got everything that's happening. You know, we've heard here in the shop that the bonefish bite is uh, really going off the hook. Is that because you think the water's cooling off? Do you, do you think it's more like they're getting back into the shallows again? Or, or do you think it's a combination that uh, people are just learning uh, uh, a little bit better how to catch them? Well, I think it's because we're catching them. Okay, yeah, that helps. <laughs> and, and anytime you're not catching fish, you always, you always say they're not biting, which, you know, we know better. But when they are, when you are catching them, then of course they're biting. Well, <laughs> Jim, where uh, you know you talk about the bonefish, you know a lot of people, a lot more people are targeting those. Are you finding them more in the shallows in the back bay, or are they they still up uh, uh, by the Coronado Bridge and uh, a little bit uh, further beyond that? For me, John, they're right where I expect to catch them this time of year. As far as uh, anything else, I can't tell you, but uh, or anybody else, I should say. But as far as, like like I said, for me, they're right where I normally catch them this time of year. And that's always a good thing when, you know, my clients say, hey, what about these bonefish we hear about? Can you put us on them? I say, well, let's go check out the spot that I normally catch them on. And Wayne Chung, they're there. All right. Nice. Just give it, that's always good to have them cooperate. Yeah. Just I'm give us a you, hint. It's nice uh, after, after a while not getting that. Are you fishing shallow? Are you fishing deep? Or you have several zones that you're fishing? We sure are. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've talked. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, we've talked a little bit, too, about you mentioned uh, that the bat rays and the uh, uh, the sharks are out there, especially the leopard sharks. I've, I've seen some nice pictures of fishermen fishing uh, for leopard sharks. Uh, has that picked up, too, now that maybe the water's cooling off a little bit? Or are we getting into the time of the year that, uh, you know, it's a better time to catch them. You know, John, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, it's I mean, there's a good part of uh, fishing that whether we like to say that we get away from the crowds or not, and we kind of do follow the crowds as fishermen a little bit. And, and it's just simple as that. I mean, go to the shops, and once guys are talking about such and such biting, that piques your interest. You know, it's just like the show right here. I mean, you know, it really piques your interest when you start hearing people talk about fish of whatever species or whatever lake or whatever area is biting. And once that happens, more people get out doing it. Once you get more people out doing it, more fish are caught. So I think, you know, there's kind of a chain involved there of things happening. Um, these fish, obviously, they live every day in the water. They have to eat every day. So, to, again, just to say that they're biting probably helps one knowing that they are in uh, zones where we normally catch them. And what I'm saying by that, to, to be not be a wise guy, is anywhere between 8 and 12 feet in the bay. It's usually where we're going to catch them, muddy, flatty areas, um, not so much around structure and grasses. Now, that being said, sometimes guys do catch them off docks while fishing for spotties. So it can happen, but right now they're right where it's the predicted zones are, and that, that's always nice. It didn't seem like it was that long ago, Jim, that we were talking about water in the back bay being 82 degrees. Uh, are you find it uh, substantially cooling off, and are all the species of fish kind of migrating back into the back bay? It, you know, it is cooling off. They're not doing so much uh, messing around with the with the bay that they were doing there for a while. I know um, if we've made it aware. I, I know we've had to skip a few shows because guys keep going out of town. 
But uh, <laughs> getting on these boats and going fishing and also, you haven't had all these live reports until <laughs> to, to talk about. But there was some uh, stuff going down in the, in the back part of the South Bay there. And whether or not that had to do with, uh, with anything as far as the bite, I don't know. Whether or not it was that, uh, we did have some pretty uh, extreme water temperatures over the summer. Whether or not that had anything to do with it, I don't know. But all I know is where I normally find bonefish in November, they are there. And that's that, to me, is what, what counts for now. That's pretty exciting. Have you... Uh... I know uh, you get caught. Uh, you called on uh, every once in a while for someone to, to go out fly fishing with you, and you can't always accommodate them. But uh, are the bonefish too also accept uh, accessible to the fly fishermen if they want to go on out with you? If anybody wants to go fly fishing with me, all they've got to do is schedule when I'm not booked. Uh, something that I do, I love to take guys out doing. As far as what people can expect from bonefish on the fly. This is not Florida. This is not Belize. It's not the Bahamas. Don't even think that you're going to be sight fishing uh, fish like they do. Don't even think that I'm going to be up on a stand with a push pole pointing out, you know, <laughs> tails to you. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, Captain James, we're uh, coming up into the holidays. Uh, we're coming up into uh, uh uh, fall break areas. We're coming up into a time when uh, the kids uh, can get off from school, and you're kind of looking around, wondering what the heck I can do with them. Nothing better than uh, going out with a fish icon and fishing San Diego Bay and our our local waters. How are the bookings looking uh, going into the end of the year here? You know, it's right now. It's kind of funny if I look at at uh, November. I've got this huge gap, which is kind of normal this time of year. I call it my fireman's schedule, or I'll have like five days in a row I'm booked, and then five days I'm not. That's kind of what's happening right now, especially with the the Thanksgiving holiday break type thing. I've, I'm already booking that pretty solidly. Solidly, um, I do have this week is pretty much booked except for tomorrow, so I'm booked Tuesday through Saturday this week. And then, like I said, there are gaps in between. So, if folks want to go, all they got to do is give me a call: six one nine three nine five zero seven nine nine. You just look at your uh, schedule or give you a call, and you can uh, tell them when to go out. Even if it's uh, for a half day of fishing, we know the days are getting a little shorter right now, and, and maybe they can't fish in the morning, but they can fish after lunch. You'll be happy to take them on out, will you not? Uh, I will not take them after lunch, John. No. I, as a matter of fact, I, I don't work after dark. It's, ac- it's actually an, an insurance thing, but <clears throat> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, just, just because. <laughs> it's just not safe. It simply isn't. Um, I do have uh, friends, colleagues, uh, however you would call them, that do lobster trips this time of year. Um, they do have the proper equipment and deckhands available that they can do evening trips. And if folks want to go, that I'd be more than happy to give them their number. Uh, but I'd much rather just go during the daytime when the fish are biting. I'll get you folks out there. And uh, we'll have some good times. If you call enough ahead of time, John, I've got plenty of plenty of spaces I could take some more jobs. If they don't, then then they'll get another phone number. <laughs> All right. Hey, Captain James, we look forward to speaking to you next week with another up-to-date report. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Oh, it was always a pleasure talking at you guys and uh, having fun and, and listening to Stan chuckle at, you know, every other little 
comment I make. <laughs> hey, Stan, and we want to wish you good luck uh, going out on the Indy. Uh, I know you're going to be gone for the next few weeks, but go out there and get them, guy. Well, we're going to do that, but I'd suggest all of the people that still have a chance, that big bluefin is still sitting out there off of the uh, San Clemente. If you got a chance, man, that 100-pound stuff is still chewing. Go get them. All right. Hey, we want to give you a program reminder. Next week we're going to have the project manager for the Shelter Island Launch Ramp remodel. He's going to be on with us, tell us what we can expect, and a lot more other guests. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. So on behalf of Jorge, Ben, our local engineer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, I want to thank Stan and Wendy always for being there to help us out too. We wish you all a good night. Go out and get them, as Stan's saying. There's still tuna out there. There's just not a lot of people getting on the boats to get them. So book your trips now. You're going to have a great time. So until next Sunday night when we'll be live starting at 5.05 a.m., 5.05 p.m. on AM 540. Good night, everyone. We're out for now. You've gone fishing. How you know? But there's a sign upon your door.